0: Welcome to the Founders Mentality, a startup podcast. My name is Josh Feedy. I will be your host on these shows. I've brought together some of my friends to discuss what it means to create a business, to take an idea and build your dreams. On this second episode, we'll be meeting with a very good friend and trusted advisor of mine, Mitch Cupid. Mitch is probably most known for being a founding member of Code42, but also more recently, his company Ramble. Let's have a conversation. All right, everybody. Uh, Welcome to uh, the second episode of The Founder's Mentality. Today, I have uh, a guest that um, you probably already know, likely already know. And if you don't, um, we're going to be releasing this podcast after Christmas. So this will be the gift that you didn't get that you really wanted. Um, So you're welcome. Um, Sitting across from me here, this is Mitch Coupet. Mitch Coupet, you would know from Code 42. You might know from his uh, current venture, After Code with Ramble. Um, Mitch and I uh, have been, uh, he's, he's been an unofficial advisor to me uh, personally for probably the last eight months now. Uh, we're both working on new softwares in the sales space. So we have a lot to share. Uh, truthfully though, I have taken a lot more from this relationship than I've given. Um, so I'm hoping to kind of pay it forward a little bit with this podcast here. But Mitch, do you wanna just give a quick introduction here about you know, what you're currently working on, what, you, what you've done in the past, just to let everyone know.
1: Sure, yeah, so uh, first and foremost, uh, I actually like to start way at the beginning. Uh, I'm a programmer at heart. I started programming at a super young age. Uh, started. Uh, I studied computer science at the University of Minnesota. Uh, found out fairly quickly that uh, I didn't work well for uh, other people, including like specifically bosses. Right. So that le- really let me down a road of entrepreneurship. Yep. I uh, started a company called Code Forty Two here in town. Uh, we launched a product called Crash Plan that went on to become uh, the number one backup for Macs and PCs in both the consumer and then uh, the enterprise space. Um, By 2016, when I left, uh, we were well over 550 in headcount and well over 100 million in revenue. And uh, we had about uh, 45,000 businesses uh, that we call customers and well over millions of uh, end users uh, on the consumer side. And then finally, uh, we had uh, exabytes of data uh, being protected around the world. So we had done a couple of successes. uh, Code42 had done, you know, Between me and the two other founders, Matthew Dornquist and Brian Bispla, uh, we got to see a lot of growth, uh, got to encounter a lot of challenges, overcome a lot of those challenges, and learn a lot of lessons along the way. Uh, My latest venture, Ramble, which is an AI-powered sales calling platform, Uh, to help uh, teams uh, learn and grow from their sales calls. Uh, That has been just as much of an educational journey. Uh, I think one of the things, especially as founders, uh, talk to other founders that have supposedly been there and done that, they go, wow, you must have all the answers. And the answer is, (laughs) the only thing that's really been um, transferable from my time at Code42 is the ability to be open, yep. uh, adapt, and learn to situations. Yep. Uh, the world is such a different place from when we started Code42. Right. Uh, the track that we took down with Code42 was a bootstrap track. I'm done a, a, a funded track this time around. Mm-hmm. So a lot of new things. I'm in a different space. Uh, and again, it's a different day and age. Back in when we were doing Code42, uh, we built the cloud, right? Yeah, and this day you get to leverage the cloud, <laughs> yeah. and that's it's a very there. different uh, <laughs> type of game. So it's yeah. been exciting, and. Uh, I'm really happy that you're giving me the opportunity to share some of the things I've learned.
0: Yeah, no, I wanna talk all about all the things. I've learned personally a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff from you that I've applied in many, many ways. There's been maybe a couple things that I've said, you know what, that's not the perfect fit for me. Um, And I think that that's an important thing for entrepreneurs, right? You can't take every piece of advice and run with everything that people tell you to do. You have to look at it and say, does this actually apply to me, who I am? Because I'm not the same person as Mitch,
1: Yeah. right? I think that's actually a really great insight. And I actually try to couch things I tell people with, yeah. hey, listen, this is based on my own experience. Yep. Uh, one of the things I actually look for in people that uh, I choose to spend time with yeah. is that they disagree. Right. They'll outright disagree. They have their own view on things and they're okay with it. Uh, I think if you uh, simply are looking for experts to lead you to your golden path, right. uh, you will fail.
0: You will, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. No, so I mean, one thing that um, I wanted to talk about here because I think that a lot of people that are going to listen to this are obviously going to be either active founders or thinking about becoming founders and starting a business. Uh, One of the first things that you've talked to me a lot about is testing your ideas. Um, why are you even doing this? Um, you have given me more pushback than probably anybody else. Um, trying to get me to just take a step back and really examine what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and make sure it's intentional. Can you talk a little bit about your process with starting a business and, and how you test your theories? Yeah.
1: So, um, it all depends on sort of like where your background is. Whatever you're currently strong, and say I know you have a sales background, yep. right? Um, I'm a technologist, so that's gonna be my core strength. Well, those things tend to be, uh, while they're uh, blessings, they're you know, gifts, uh, they also can be things that uh, cause you to have blind spots sure. uh, as you try, try to you know get ideas for what your next company should be or what the big idea is gonna be that's gonna lead you to a, a massive business. Um, I think the, All ideas start with, you know, is there actually a market for this? Yep. And uh, if you're a technologist, the first thing you might go do as soon as you get hit by an idea is build something. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, The first thing you might do as a salesperson is go say, "Hey, can I sell one or two deals around this idea?" Exactly. And the reality is that uh, neither one of those are actually very smart approaches because while they'll feel good and they'll kind of uh, scratch the itch, uh, they're not very strategic. And overall, if you wanna find yourself uh, building a great business, uh, you really have to find is there a market need for what you're doing? And you can test that uh, very cheaply these days because there are things that you can do, like landing pages, Uh, there are things, email campaigns, And also just being very strategic, knowing that, okay, one or two deals is not the same as having an actual market to go after. Right. So a lot of times people think of things like total addressable market, they'll think of go to market. Uh, There's something before that, which is just simply market size. Right. And if you don't do the market size experiment immediately, you're really uh, blinding yourself to the biggest opportunity.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. And then another person that I'm going to be having um, on the show, Thompson with Nice Healthcare. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves Thompson. Thompson's awesome. Um, I'm, the main focus of that show is going to be around uh, testing your ideas because nobody does it like him, right? Um, but one thing that has really rung true while I've been building my product and one thing that I've heard from you as well when you're telling me stories about how your current product came to be is that um, investors, let's talk a little bit about investors and let's start really early on. When investors invest in you, they're investing in you, Mm -hmm. right? And you need to be willing to do the right thing for your investor and allow yourself to pivot a little bit if things aren't going in the way that you thought they were going to go, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I I think, uh, you know, the way that I like to frame it is that there are different stages of investment. as the data comes in from more and more investment rounds and funds and the companies that won and the companies that lost, uh, yep. the investors are getting a lot smarter as well. Yep. And so uh, nowadays you really uh, can benefit from jumping into like say an incubator like Y Combinator just right. because they really know that early stage uh, track that you should be on, what uh, early stage traction indicators look like. Yep. Um, that said, I think uh, you know initially uh, the first very first uh, investment thesis is going to be team and dream. Yep. You know how good, how capable is this team? It may not have anything to a track record, while that can help. It's just do they believe that this is a person that can execute the vision that they've just laid out for them? Right. And uh, it doesn't mean necessarily all the way to the end. It just means can they get it to a reasonable value? Yep. Um, Prove that there's a big market opportunity, yeah. uh, and at that point, the investors can uh, then you know reevaluate whether or not uh, you're the right operator at right. scale. Yep. Uh, and one thing I like to point out for um, uh, especially you know first time founders is. You know, you don't have to see it all the way to IPO or acquisition. No, you just have to see it to <laughs> a great opportunity. Yes. Sometimes the things that you know let you get there, like you're just a great builder, uh, actually hold you back when you get to a later stages of the company. Yeah. Um, perhaps you're not a great delegator. Perhaps you're not a great communicator. Yep. Uh, if you are very interested in uh, being a well-rounded, you know, CEO type founder. Yep. Then these are all things you're going to have to learn how to do. Right. But some people just simply don't care to do that. Some people are simply inventors. Yep. Uh, some people are simply Evangelists, yep. and that's okay. But the best thing to do is to have a good, self healthy self awareness, and to be okay with those things rather than uh, have them become friction points right. and cause right. uh, a combative relationship potentially with uh, you know employees, yep. uh, you know partners, and then most importantly uh, your core investment team.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So I want to dive into um, how you raise the money that you raise a little bit. But before I do that, uh, when people ask me, so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and let you hear what I say about you when you're not around. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> when people ask me, uh, Mitch Coupet, I saw you were talking to Mitch. What is Mitch? Who, who, what is he like? I say the same thing to every person. I say Mitch Cooper is like Robin Williams level smart, right? Robin Williams level intelligence. It's an intimidating thing to sit in a room with you for me, because you will say 10 things while I'm trying to figure out the first smart thing that you told me, right? You really challenge me to think deeper about things than I typically do. It's a really, really um, valuable quality that you have. And I uh, respect the heck out of that, right? And that's something that I'm trying to do more of is be more thoughtful about the decisions that I make in my business. Um, But one of the things that you've uh, spoken to many times that you have a very good process with is how you raise your money with investors, the process that you go through with them. It's something that every time I hear it, I extract just a little bit more of it that I can start applying for myself, but you have it down to a science. Maybe talk a little bit about the money that you have raised with your previous businesses and your current business and, and what your process is for that.
1: Yeah. Well, first off, uh, thanks for that. That's, those are really (laughs) kind words and, uh, I, well, it's true perfectly honest. I've never been compared to Robin Williams
0: before. Well, you have now.
1: (laughs) So that's a first and that's how it will be forever and ever. So yeah. yeah, So that's, it's, it's now going to be on the internet. So there it is. (laughs) Oh boy. So um, I actually think that uh, a lot of stuff that we did at Co Forty Two um, doesn't really apply because it's so later stage. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, my most recent experience uh, with Ramble uh, is probably the uh, most uh, applicable to what people are doing. And, yep. and the thing is, the landscape changes on a year-to-year basis. Yeah. Uh, people are just smarter; they're better with their data. Uh, the investors are able to; they've had enough. Uh, Rounds at this now, yeah. especially even the ones from like that. I mean, some of these have been around since like literally the you know the mid '80s or early right. '80s. Right. But even the newer ones, you know, once they get about five, seven, you know, eight years underneath their belt, they start seeing the patterns, and yeah. they all share the same sort of insights. So um, I think the tactically there, are, you know, there's a lot of the sort of, you know, I would say platitudes I could speak to. Yep. But I think the thing that has actually probably helped the most is just some um, good tactics.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So you'll appreciate this because you're in sales. Yep. And so you can't uh, really hope to hit your number unless you have a pipeline that is much larger than your number. You need a pipeline. (laughs) So you need a pipeline. Yep. So if you're gonna go out there and raise, um, obviously you have to put together a great story. Uh, That's an entire podcast in and of itself. Yep. Um, I actually recommend that founders, if you have another founding partner, you know, the CEO should go out there and just do it on their own. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the CEO's job is to build, you know, own the vision, build a great team, make sure the team's funded. Yep. That's your job as a CEO founder. Yep. And so that means fundraising is your responsibility. Yep. And so when you go out there to do it, uh, you should have a bit of a plan, uh, but a lot of people kind of stop at just like, who should I talk to and let it kind of grow organically. Right. Uh, I like to put everything into a spreadsheet, I like to have different stages of the pipeline. I put the contacts I want to contact into the spreadsheet. Anybody that I know in my network that can help me build out that, uh, top of funnel. Yep. Uh, I give them access to the spreadsheet, put the context in here, and then uh, literally the different stages, conversation one, conversation two, conversation three, term sheet. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. You'll have a bunch of folks that will follow it after conversation one. They'll go on the first date, but they won't go on a second date. Yep uh conversation two is like you know you're gonna go have uh, a pretty in-depth conversation about uh your business and how you differentiate in the market uh you might even get a little bit to uh, you know some financials and you know sales growth projections um, if you're at that stage Uh, if you're at an earlier stage they're really going to try and stress test you on why you versus anybody else where do you think the big opportunity is but what they're really testing for during these conversations is a again are you the person to get this vision done? Yep. B, is the vision big enough? And then C, do they actually uh, make bets you know, right. on divisions like yours? Right. Yep. Uh, so I like to put it as a, it's market, you know, it's the founder, and then is it the winning idea in that market?
0: Absolutely, no, so, that's so, great.
1: Yeah, so, and so then finally, um, then, then the next thing you do is like uh, with all sales, you have to create a sense of urgency. Yep. And so to do that, you have to time box this stuff. I think a yeah. lot of people just leave the stuff open-ended right. and they won't say things like, hey, you know what, uh, great to talk with you. Um, by the way, I want to let you know that I want to get my conversations uh, all the way to you know term sheet land in about 30 days. Yep. So uh, you know if this is interesting to you, I need you to be responsive and yep. get back. If it's not, I need you to just move on quickly. Yeah. And you know, no hurtling, uh, no feelings are going to be hurt. Yep. Uh, so just you know, a no is better. A quick no is better than uh, you know a slow no. Yep. Um, you know, one of the best encounters I've had with a VC when we were first raising for Ramble is we talked for 20 minutes, and the guy just looked at me and said, "Hey, Mitch, you know, I uh, love your track record. Uh, I think the idea is going to be big, and I'm probably going to regret this, but it's a no." Yeah. Right. Uh, just I don't invest this early. Yep. And I was it's like, "Great, happen. thank you." Right. Because we're done talking now. Thank you for not wasting now. time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, and, that's great.
1: And so, uh, last thing about sales. Again, it yeah. is sales. Is learn to disqualify. You know, your uh, your prospects. Right. Uh, not everybody's going to invest in you for very different reasons. Uh, they just might not invest in the market. They might not invest in the stage. Yep. They just might not like you. Yep. That's all okay. Yep. Don't but take you, it personal. Yeah, but then you just, that's why you need to have a big pipeline. Yeah. Um, just to give you a bit of numbers, uh, when I did the seed round for Ramble, I had over 50 conversations in 30 days to get to my first real
0: yes. Wow. Right. No, it's so I get asked this a lot myself and especially right now, because I'm in the beta cohort here at WeWork, um, which has been great, right? There's 15 other startup businesses in there. Um, They're all at different points in their fundraising. And what I tell everybody is it is no different than sales. It is sales. It's the exact process that you court. A prospect is the exact way that you court an investor. Um, And so, yes, time boxing is is incredibly important in any sales effort um, especially with investors as well right um building that urgency um, having a detailed uh, organized way that you're going about the process you need to have a process on sales as well or you're not going to close any deals um, but the most the single most important thing that i've at least personally found um is the pipeline uh, just like in sales. If you don't have a pipeline of deals, you you don't have any deals. Um, if you don't have a pipeline of investors, you don't have any investments. Um, and you know, just the the sheer number of investors that you had to meet with, Uh, to close the deals that you did uh, speaks volumes. So any uh, entrepreneurs that are listening to this that are maybe saying there's not enough investment money um, in Minnesota or whatever state you live in, you're having a hard time raising that money, maybe look at what your pipeline is and build that pipeline. Start having those conversations. The only thing that I would add to that is when you do start having those conversations, if they don't give you a clear yes or a no, keep them informed treat it as an open door opportunity to keep the conversation going just like you would in any sales process. Yes. Um, because I have had um, plenty of experiences with people that just aren't ready yet. Maybe just don't feel like is, is he really the guy that's going to make this happen? Is he really going to build that team? That's going to make this happen. Giving consistent updates about where you're at, whether or not they've asked for them will take you, Uh, much, much further.
1: Yes, Um, there are two fundamental differences in uh, selling, say, a product versus selling, uh, what you're selling here is your company. Yeah, And uh, one of the things is, uh, again, you want to create a sense of urgency, so time boxing is one. But the other thing that investors really uh, look for is, who's already in. Yeah, And so the hardest part is just getting that fire going. Right, And so the moment you get even a a verbal yes, so the strategy I like to do is I like to try and find people who may not lead, but will do a follow on. So they just say, hey, I'm in if you can find a lead investor. If you can get one of those in that are a little bit easier to catch and then um, use that to then entice other investors, Yes, Uh, a very, very good strategy to use as you're going out having your conversation. So you're really not, think of it as you're having about two types of conversations. One is, hey, if I find someone to do this, are you in? Right. And then that's a different type of conversation than like, are you gonna lead this round?
0: Right, so if you're listening to this podcast or watching the video, hit pause right now, rewind about five minutes, uh, listen to that four times over and then go fundraise right now Um, and just use all those things and it will make all the difference for you. Okay, so we've talked about a couple things. The last thing I wanna touch on here because we've mentioned the word team a couple of times. And we actually had um, a question on LinkedIn um, from someone that wanted me to ask about teams. What do you do when your expectations aren't being met? Uh, I want to look at this in two different ways. Let's talk about what you might do with an internal team and what you might do with an external team, um, because I think you might handle them slightly differently. Um, But how do you handle that when you're building a product um, and let's just stay in the digital space and your team just is not hitting the mark, not getting the expectations that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. So, i uh, I built a lot of teams over the years and usually, uh, teams become dysfunctional, uh, around one core thing and that is trust, okay. uh, communication. Yep. And then, uh, from there become all sorts of things like mismanaged expectations, yep. um, first thing you do especially in the early stage if you're sort of like you know if you are the founder CEO and you are responsible for product which I'm thinking we're talking about here is yeah. like is, are you uh, seeing missed timelines on a product delivery schedule yep uh, consistently you really have to start with yourself yep because guess who's setting the expectation you Who are, are. Yeah. so uh, I've done product for a long time and I found that the number one way to hit expectations is to Cut about seventy-five percent of what I think can be delivered from my expectation. Right. So I, I really start with just core things. Can you build this thing and then get commitments? Yeah. Um, now if people commit and they continuously miss their commitments, yep. Then the problem is with their ability, yep. to deliver what you need, and then you probably have a problem with a you know with this particular person or team member. Um, one of the reasons I kind of like contractors really early on is because. They are, uh, you know, they're mercurial. Uh, they know that they won't be around if they don't deliver on their commitments. So they'll, yeah. they tend to be much better at defining what they can commit to. Yep. And so, and they'll also work hard to kind of push back on you if you are being unreasonable uh, in your expectation setting. Right. Yeah. Um, so unless you are a seasoned manager, I actually highly recommend, uh, you know, especially for your first version of a product, trying to find a good team that is well-equipped to deliver, they understand how to do product schedules, they understand how to do the engineering things required to get like continuous deployment out there, so that they can iterate quickly with you. Okay. Um, but if you are uh, a seasoned person, then yeah, absolutely jump in and try to find a great uh, employee that can help you build things. Yep. What well, I find where uh, uh, you know there's some challenges uh, with early founders is if you have kind of sort of the, the sales founder and then you have the technology founder, yep. and neither one of them has actually been down this journey before. Right. And so then it becomes more kind of like a sibling rivalry. Yes. Uh, and so <laughs> you have to be really, really open and honest and say, what can you deliver and not try to uh, appease one another yeah. because you'll end up actually disappointing each
0: other. Absolutely. No, I think, I think that's great. I agree with absolutely everything you said. The one thing I might add to it as well um, is the importance of documented contracts um, so that if things go sour um, and we'll just stay in the digital space because that's where we're both at, who owns that code, right? Because I'm a salesperson. Right? I'm not building the product that I'm building. I have a team building that product. If something goes wrong in that team and they determine they don't wanna work on this anymore, who owns that code? Make sure that you have those documents in place before you start building anything. Absolutely. Because I think we've both heard plenty of stories where there is a technical and non-technical co-founder that come together and build something really cool, and then something blows up, the relationship sours, and the product either disappears or it goes with one of the other, one, or one of the two people, right? And there's really nothing they can do because they were buddies and they were just working on a handshake and they thought this was gonna be just fine. Don't do that, right? Make sure you get that documented.
1: Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, there's no reason not to do that. I mean, there's so many resources available. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, your products are the intellectual property that of, you know, the code base, uh, processes that you develop, and having clear uh, definitions of those in contract form is really important.
0: The last thing I'm going to circle back on uh, quickly here while we're wrapping up on this one is, um, let's go back to what you said about you feel that the CEO's role is to be the one that's out there fundraising. Um, I also believe, and I think you also believe this as well, because we've had conversations about this, that the CEO should also be the one that defines what the sales process is going to be for their company uh, before they bring on any additional support in the sales team. Yes, yes, And I know that you do all the sales for Ramble right now. I think you've been just bringing on people recently
1: I shouldn't, I, well, I don't do all the sales, but I, <laughs> I should say is that uh, we, we've actually defined the sales process and got the product right. to a point where we feel comfortable to yeah. uh, actually hand it off to somewhere else. Yeah. Another way to put it is that your very first sales, let's call them the first 10, 12, maybe 20 deals, yep. uh, those are CEO sales yep. because your product isn't out there. I think one of the things that people, especially if they come from larger organizations, they think of product, market, and sales as different functions. They're right. actually in a, in, a, in in infancy of a company yep. they're all the same thing right you yep. are learning yep. if your solution to a market problem thesis actually oh. works and you don't have any data yet right. it's only once you have data like okay the solution works for this specific set of people yep. that have this specific set of problems and and uh, characteristics yep. uh, you know you start building out things like segmentation yep. um, that happens later stage, but in the early stages, uh, it's all one thing when you, until you get your first customer, all you have is a hypothesis, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's great. Right. And I think I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm right now at the point in my business, um, I am handling all of the sales efforts. I can't wait for the day that I feel like it's the right time to bring on somebody else to help with that. Right. Um, because I think that there's other things ultimately I'm going to need to be doing for this business other than being on the front lines of the sales department. Yeah, um, let me jump
1: in real quick. Yeah, I think do this it. is a kind of a question against uh, who should I hire for my first sales leader. Yeah, and um, more importantly, who should I hire for my first marketing growth person? Right. Yeah. Let's um, do this. Until you hit probably somewhere in the multiple millions of revenue, do not hire seasoned executives. Yep. Hire people who have literally just done the job you want them to do. Yep. And let them uh, be a leader in the place, but also make sure that they understand that as you grow and build this thing out that uh, there'll be additional leadership roles that will come in potentially above them. They can put their hat in the ring, but uh, I think a lot of people do two things. One, they overhire too soon or they underhire and then they promote too early. And you want to be careful of both of those things. Yep.
0: Mitch, this has been incredible having you on this show. I hope that everybody listening to this listened all the way through number one, but uh, also uh, took some really good advice out of this. So Mitch, if somebody listening wanted to reach out to you to ask you an additional question, what would be your preferred way for them to reach out to you? They can connect on me on LinkedIn
1: Just All say right. they uh, saw it on the podcast there and uh, yeah, so, I, I
0: usually respond to most things. Yeah. Yeah. If you have questions, uh, Mitch is a really great guy. Um, for those questions, I would say the best way uh, to have a conversation with Mitch is, uh, you go to a lot of events. I know you're a very busy person. Um, I like to corner you at events and ask you the quick questions that I have. That's been successful for me. Little tidbits at a time. Um, Regardless, thank you so much for being on the uh, second episode of The Founders Mentality. Um, And I look forward to, you know, responding to any questions, comments myself um, that might come through this. But thanks again, Mitch. Absolutely. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Josh. So what do you think? Pretty good, right? We have plenty of other episodes on our website at thefoundersmentality.com. And don't worry, you don't only have to listen to these episodes. If you prefer to watch a video, we do videotape every single episode and post them every other week on our website. Again, the web address is thefoundersmentality.com. This has been Josh Feedy. It's been an honor bringing this information and these guests to you. And I hope you continue listening. Don't forget to give us a share. Talk to you next time. Bye.